Modesty. Behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. Unpretentious, simplicity, or plainness. This week, we are discussing if modest really is hottest. We will be talking about lust, confidence, and how modesty is a mindset. This goes a whole lot deeper than the clothes you wear. Now, let's get to it. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master's hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat, encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Oh, hey there, listener. Today we have a very interesting topic, and that's modest. Is it really hottest? This is episode five. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) I knew Elaine was about to freak out if I did that. She cannot stand (laughs) Song of Solomon. (laughs) Uh, that's what I was reading, the Song of Solomon. It was in the Bible. I wasn't reading some erotic fiction novel. That Those was some in, people. <laughs> that was in the Holy Word of God. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, opinions about that. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. But anyway, this is episode five. Today we are talking about modest. Is it really hottest? And, uh, yeah, but before we just dive right off into this, and it could very well be a pretty interesting episode. Uh, Elaine, tell us a little about uh, today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Cedar Temple Trade Company. Yes, they make awesome Christian apparel and home goods. And if you want to stick around after the show, they have a promo code for you. So just stick around for their ad once you hear the outro music, which is the same as the intro music, just quieter. And also... I don't know if you've known this or ha- like have stuck around long enough that at the end of all of our episodes, minus the very first, there is some form of strange blooper or conversation piece between Elaine and I uh, that's sure to give you a laugh. So if you want to hang around for just a little bit of additional content and listen to us make a fool of ourselves, uh, unedited, you can hang around after and get a preview of what happens behind the mix. And before the edits. So, stick around for that. But anyway, we're going to dive right off into this topic. So, Elaine, uh, tell me, is modest really hottest? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think it depends. I mean, you can have cute clothes that are modest clothes. I'm going to open up with a couple other Bible verses here. 1 Timothy 2, 9-10, through 10, Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold 
or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So in 1 Timothy, we have a verse that's pretty commonly used in describing how women should dress, and I guess uh, addressing dress code in youth groups all across the big old USA. And uh, also we have in Matthew 5, we have kind of the, the opposite end of, this, uh, end of the spectrum here where it's talking about um, men, and if they look upon women with lustful intent, they've already committed adultery. And so you have kind of this back and forth of uh, women shouldn't dress lustful, men shouldn't lust, lust after women. Of course, that, that being said, lust and uh, modesty is a cross-gender issue, you know, men are just as capable of being immodest as women are, and so I think we just want to kind of talk about that a little bit today, and discuss, I guess, the pros and cons of modesty, and what modesty really is. So Elaine, what is modesty to you? Well, to me, like, modesty is a mindset. I think it's a personality characteristic. And so, if... So modesty is a mindset is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So what is an immodest mentality? Probably somebody who's like full of pride. So I was trying to prepare just a few different, I guess, like biblical points of view on this. And uh, I was reading in Proverbs 7, and I'll just like skim through this real quick because I think like pretty much the front end of our episode is going to be pretty like scripture heavy. So I'll just go ahead and put all my stuff out there. And uh, Proverbs 7 is pretty you know, cookie cutter youth class stuff too here. But it says, uh, you know, in starting in verse, let's say five here, uh, they will keep you from the adulterous woman, talking about wisdom, and from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among us, uh, among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She, in unruly and defiant, her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took him, or she took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfill my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh. Uh, we're just going to skim along down here. Basically, she says, drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. And so with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. So I guess what you're saying, Elaine, is uh, immodesty is much more of a Proverbs 7 woman. Immodesty would be more of a Proverbs 31 woman, yep. right? And so and remind us what a Proverbs 31 woman is. I don't have it pulled up right now. Basically what every woman aspires to be. Um, she Should. Yeah, should aspire to be. She protects her family. She's strong. She's bold. She's brave. She's reckless. Um, she is someone who is a servant 
of God. It says right here, her husband, I pulled it up, has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Uh, basically, she works hard. She provides for the family as well. Um, she tends to the manners of the house well, as in like she is a, a manager. She's like the glue to the house, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, extends her hands to the needy. She's like the emotional support. Like people come to her like in confidence. Yeah. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. So that's an interesting point of view. So let me ask you this. Why is it in Proverbs that uh, it can talk of a Proverbs 31 woman, the thing that all the women as aspire to be, is someone who's a cl uh, is clothed in fine linen. Um, and it says that in right here. Where's it at? She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected. So that's verse 22. And then flipping over to um, New Testament and Timothy, uh, you know, likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. But purple was a costly, you know, um, color back then. The dyeing process to make purple was was red. It was that's why purple is known as a royal color because it, you had to be wealthy to own well, purple there's nothing wrong with having purple sheets like there's nothing wrong with having nice things and i think that goes back to the modesty characteristic trait of you know not being prideful and the proverbs 31 woman you know is spoken highly of and as the helper she's not full of pride and so i kind of like she's deserving of nice things because you know she doesn't boast about nice things and i think the reason why in in Timothy, why it was a bad thing was because she was, you know, provoking and she was talking about, I have these nice things, come have sex with me, you know, like she was like selling herself and well, that was a yeah, selling point. Proverbs 7. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that leads me to this. Um, the Bible is, as everyone knows, can be controversial or contradicting, I guess, is there, it can be controversial too, but it can contradict itself in a little bit of ways. Um, if you know how to read it right, I don't think it's necessarily a contradiction as much as it is all of these things are written across a vast amount of time in different circumstances. You have in Proverbs, you have a culture where I, literally I was just reading out of Song of Solomon, which is around the time frame of Proverbs being uh, written and is often considered, you know, majority of them were written probably by Solomon. Uh, among a few other, you know, characters throughout. But in that time frame, Solomon talks about his, uh, you know, the Shulamite woman who he's in love with being adorned with gold and, and, and gems and talking very, you know, very boldly about her features and her femininity. And so, and then you have in New Testament, which is kind of a contradiction because a lot of people associate New Testament is like, well, you know, it's, of course, it's, it's the New Testament. It's what we follow as uh, followers of Christ. It's what we're supposed to, po to follow. And so you have here where they're saying, don't braid your hair and wear gold or pearls or costly attire, but, you know, wear what is proper for women who profess godliness. So, you know, is it ungodly to braid your hair? Is it ungodly to wear gold? Is it ungodly to wear expensive clothes? I mean, and, you know, it's just, it's weird. 
like I said, there's nothing wrong with having expensive things or nice things or braiding your hair or wearing makeup, like wearing jewelry. I like your wedding ring, like is right. that bad? Like that, I don't think that you're a bad person or that you're going to hell or that you're an immodest or immoral person because you have nice things. Right. And so I guess this is an interesting thing that I just, I, I really want to kind of like start unpacking here. Uh, you have two extremes, right? You have the the Duggars and you have the Kardashians. I don't know. I'm terrible with like pop That's culture fine. stuff. So we can just <laughs> go with those two extremes, right? And somewhere in the middle is like normal society probably. And then you kind of have like the ideological extreme of like uh, people trying to be this one group of people. And then you have like the other one who most of society looks at like they're just absolutely crazy. Um, there's a lot of groups out there that are very particular about makeup and, you know, wearing jewelry and, and pants and things like that. Uh, and I'm not sitting here bashing those groups of people, you know, those religious groups or whatever, those sects of people, but let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I've seen those groups of people. I've seen the Duggars. They braid their hair. Do they not? I think so, yeah. Like, I've seen pictures of the Duggars with braided hair. I know they put their hair in buns and stuff like that, and they put their hair up. And so, if following these guidelines, uh, how do they manage to get away with just braiding their hair if it says to not braid your hair? And I guess the only reason I'm even bringing that up is to uh, kind of address the fact that for his time frame, what he's trying to say is relate to those around you. It, within a proper instance like dress accordingly because and there's a little bit more we're going to get into this about um just like rape culture and things like that i kind of want to go that route here in a minute but you know elaine in your opinion you have duggars you have kardashians where is what's okay what is acceptable because we have youth group standards and like you know youth group standards are you wear a t-shirt whenever you are going swimming we wear T-shirts or thick tank tops. Right. And not white. Yeah, not white. Not white. Um, and so, because we can't lead any of the guys in the youth group to lust, is it a sin to wear a bikini? No. Okay. And why? Well, I wear bikinis, you know, on the beach. But I also wear one piece, like, you know, it, like I just find whatever cute. Um, but to me, like, wearing baggy clothes while swimming is annoying it's exhausting it's heavy you can't swim like it's just you're not supposed to wear clothes when you're swimming you know bathing there's bathing suits for a reason now I don't think you should wear like drawstring like having all everything barely there by a thread that it can easily get you know moved a certain way and then everything's hanging out but, like, I think if you're literally just wearing bikini because you thought it looked good on you and you thought it was cute and you want to go swimming, that's not bad. But, like, if you're trying to taunt men, if you're trying, like, if you have the overconfidence, like, I'm, like, I have this, like, I know I look good, I want people to look at me, then I think it becomes a problem. So you're saying that it's a it's a mentality more or less. So if you're yeah. going out there trying to draw the attention in or trying to draw that type of attention in, then yes, that is 
that is immodest, mm-hmm. but to wear a, a bikini because it's what, what you, you wear. Right. When you go swimming, <laughs> like guy swimmers mm-hmm. wear Speedos whenever they're professionally swimming because of friction. But they're not trying to like wear a Speedo because they think they look good and they want people to look at them. It's like, I want to be the fastest swimmer. Right. And like, I'm going to wear the least amount of clothes possible that helps me be the fastest swimmer. Right. And so what about like nudity and art? Like, where does that fall? Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things. You know, you look at some of Michelangelo's Mm -hmm. paintings and I don't think anyone would really, well, that's not true. Someone, there are people who do, but most people wouldn't call like the, the divinity painting, I guess, a pornographic image you know like what where is the line well it goes back to like i said your mentality you know a lot of those painters i'm not saying every single one of those but a lot of those painters like the naked body itself like is not sinful like it's not something gross to look at like god made our bodies like we everyone has a beautiful body you know and i think in some instances in art and paintings and stuff like that. Like if you were saying like this is a male's body. This is what a male body looks like. And you aren't lusting over the picture of the naked body. But you're saying like this is a beautiful body. Like this is something to you know, admire. And this represents strength. Or this represents that. Some of that stuff I don't think is wrong to have nudity in art. Because like nudity is art. Right. And so I guess like a question I have then you look at just any like random like ad or advertisement. If you're just a normal advertisement in a magazine, like the junk mail you get in your mailbox for JC Penney's or something like that. And you have an ad in there in the women's clothes section for bras and underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, those models are taking photos of basic necessities that women need Mm -hmm. and advertising them. I don't think anyone would really in like our society would see that as, Oh, they're being, uh, immodest. Well, there's, um, Aerie, I think is how you, I think it's like American Eagles brand for that. Mm. And like, they don't alter the images of the models. Like they don't, um, like Photoshop them to look skinnier. They don't. They don't take out like their stretch marks or stuff like that. And so while that, like, yes, they're selling underwear, but they're saying like you are beautiful no matter what your size, color, shape, whatever. And so like, or even Dove, you know, some of their products and stuff. They have women, you know, like just got out of the shower, you know, like. And I think it's what is the intent of the commercial or the product? Like, women need underwear. Women need to know what underwear looks like. And women need to know what underwear looks like on certain t- types of women. And that, and I guess that comes down to the fact that, like, there is somewhere there are teenage boys looking at those magazines and they're lusting after those women that are just showing other women what it looks like to wear, you know, those clothes. But I don't think lust is, like, immune to clothing. You can be lustful and like you can have a lust for something or someone and then be completely clothed. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's where the whole modesty argument goes. And we're talking about modest is hottest or whatever. I don't think that 
modesty can be defined by an outfit because cultures are different, Mm -hmm. people are different, and to ultimately shelter everyone from everything all the time is, I think that creates more problems Mm -hmm. than anything. You know, um, I think that sheltering people from, or sheltering kids, or maybe not kids, maybe like teenager age, you know, they're going to see that stuff. It's the culture we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it may be sad that, you know, there's what many would consider pornographic type stuff on just primetime TV. There's relationships on TV, one night stands and friends with benefits, you know, casual sex. That's a, It's a normal thing on our television networks and everything. And yes, okay, well then no TV. But then you think about the internet and I've got pop-ups for horrendous stuff before well okay well i'm gonna put pop-up blockers i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that but like we talked about in our social media episode instagram shows you women in bikinis all the time Mm -hmm. that's just a normal thing on instagram okay so no social media so no internet so now you have no internet and you have no tv okay fine uh what about video games and stuff like that okay so none of those and then you talk about going down the road i've seen billboards with stuff on it just as bad as any of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so no going anywhere anymore. Uh, you know, before you know, like when we're, it's it's a it's a sad reality that we're gonna see those things. But I think the problem in our culture, just as Paul was addressing his culture, you know, you know, to Timothy, he was addressing the culture of that congregation. You know, we have to address our culture. Do I think that? A group of teenagers together going swimming in a youth group. Uh, women should have to wear black t-shirts or whatever. I'm not gonna push that either way. You know, I, I, you have words. Go I ahead. I was gonna say one of my biggest things is like lust isn't gender specific. Women can have lust. Women do struggle with lust. And I think if you're gonna make women or young girls wear black t-shirts, you should make men wear black t-shirts too. I agree with that. Because the men's nipples are still showing. Ultimately, you know, that leads to women having low self-esteem and low self-image. And if they they barely show their shoulder, like, and somebody lusts after them, they automatically feel like that, that was their fault. And it's not. And I feel like it's so easy to objectify women, even in, like, trying to not objectify women like you ultimately are. And I think if you're going to shelter men from women, you know, in a sense, you should shelter, like, women, you know, like, it needs to be even, like, equal. Right. Well, and I think my, I guess the thing with that, like, I understand in, like, those youth group settings, for one, churches don't want to get chewed out by parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, for two, there is a whole lot of, you know, in youth groups and stuff like that. I mean, you have a bunch of horny teenagers. Like, let's just be honest. They're in, like, the changes of life. And they have a lot of hormones and like changes in their, in their, you know, hitting puberty and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, they're going to focus more on things and you're putting those people together. And so you have to be careful and mindful of that. I understand that. But you also have to be careful and mindful of that when they go down to the public pool down the road. And I can personally think of numerous times in youth and as an, an adult uh, looking at other youth groups and stuff like that. What the church, what's normal for the church to do and what the parents seem normal on every other day of the week is very different. 
And there's kind of like a double standard there a bit. Well, and like whenever you're on vacation with your family, sometimes I feel like churches are stricter than parents are. And sometimes it's a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, that you know? can be a good thing or a bad thing. But I mean, like if if you have a youth group saying like, you can't do this, you can't do this, like you have to wear a black t-shirt and like leggings or something when you go swimming. But then the next week you're at the beach with your family and everyone's wearing bikini, like you included, like how does that shelter you? And if you were, because I went to beach camp every summer with my youth group. And while we were supposed to have tank tops, like we were a little less strict than some youth groups. Like we just had to have tank tops and stuff. Like we could have our bottoms and everything or t-shirts. It just, you know, couldn't be see-through or white. And like guys, all they had to wear was their swimming trunks. Like they didn't have any restrictions. And while we had restrictions the other women from wherever they came from on the beach didn't and so the guys in the youth group may not be looking at us but who's to say they can't look at the girl that isn't at beach camp right that lives on the beach and she's wearing and that ties into like uh, there's a you know like a lot of controversy right now over like rape culture and if a woman is dressing promiscuous is she promoting getting raped which is the biggest load of crap i mean i'm sorry if you're out there naked dancing around like while i don't uh you know condone that like that's not an excuse for anyone to steal something from you even if you're offering part of yourself up on public display that's not anyone's right or privilege or anything to be able to take you know, something from you that's personally yours that you're not offering. But it's it's just that whole thing is uh, modesty is a mindset. Modesty is, is, is taking responsibility of your emotions and your, and your, I guess, fleshly carnal desires and keeping those in check. And so modesty for men is to say, hey, that's a woman in a bikini. But I'm not going to sit here and, you know, obsess over that. Mm-hmm. And for women to say, hey, maybe in this setting I shouldn't do X, Y, or Z. And guys are the same way. Maybe in this setting I shouldn't pursue women in this, you know, this way, X, Y, or Z. Because, I mean, let's be really honest. If a guy is into a girl, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. You know, it doesn't matter if she's wearing a cloak uh, it doesn't matter if she's covered from head to toe, you know, especially like let's think of the common sense here at a pool. Women can wear bikinis and they can put a shirt over it. But as soon as that shirt gets wet, it's going to suck right mm-hmm. to their body. And you don't think guys are looking like you can see every curve. I feel like sometimes it's worse because it draws attention to it sucking on your body, like right sticking to your body than if you were just wearing the bathing suit itself. And ultimately, you were fully in control of you and you alone, your actions and your thoughts, your attitudes and your beliefs. You aren't in control of what other people feel about you or think about you, you know. And like you said, like, it's not gender specific, just as men, like, have to be able to control themselves women need to feel like women need to know how to control themselves and knowing like what is your purpose and wearing these clothes or not wearing these clothes what is your intent you know and 
I think that it kind of it kind of comes down to like no one is like at more fault than the other. Right. And I think you have to be able to ask yourself in those situations like is what I am doing is it to draw attention or is it because I'm confident in this? There's nothing wrong with being confident. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, it's praised in Proverbs 31. The confidence of of a Proverbs 31 woman is praised. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a characteristic that's sought after. And, you know, it's okay to wear makeup and be bold in who you are. The problem is whenever you shift from that 31 to the 7 mentality of you're doing it to draw, you're trying to, you know, you want to be catcalled. You want to have those things. And guys, too, like looking at it from a guy's perspective, you know, if you're dressing because, like, it fits the occasion or whatever, and and I do feel like it's, specifically with clothing, I feel like it's easier for guys to dress than girls. There's, for one, there's just not as many options for guys. If you're um, dressing to try to gain these, I guess, like, lustful glances, then, yeah, there, there's a problem with that. Is it bad that if you want you want to look nice? No. Is it bad that you want to be noticed? I don't even think that's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad whenever it turns into an obsession where you're trying to draw all that attention on yourself to boost your, you know, your egocentric attitude in a way. And... And taking it to the whole modest is hottest business, thinking of that phrase in and of itself, it's something we speak all the time in church. You know, it's just, it's like a, I mean, it's passed around like the communion plate, you know what I mean? In in youth groups, uh, modest is hottest. And basically the whole premise of like dress modest because that's the real attraction, you know, like knowing who you are and being confident and covering up and stuff like that. But in reality, that's pushing the same agenda mm-hmm. as dressing in like it's it's still saying that your definition of attractiveness is based on how you dress. And well, there's an issue with that. Well, and even like reading this article um, about this from Time magazine, and it was about this author who wrote a book called Devoted, and it the main character had um, similar modesty issues that some of the Duggar girls had and stuff growing up in, like, a very conservative household and stuff. And, um, like, the the tagline says, if it's the responsibility of the woman to keep the man in check, then if he crosses the line, doesn't that suggest she's at fault? And so, like I said, like, lust isn't immune to, like, not wearing enough clothes or wearing clothes. If a man still lusts over a woman and objectifies her, but she's completely clothed, ultimately that's going to leave that woman thinking, this is my fault. I should have had any even more clothing on. I should have not worn makeup. Like, And it still makes them feel like it's their fault. Right, there's no limit. There's no limit to that. Like, At some point, everyone has to realize they have to be responsible for their actions on both ends of the spectrum. If you know there's someone with you that has like an extreme lust for you, like... You know, if there's someone, guy or girl, and you know there's someone there that just has, like, this thing for you, and they're just, like, honed in on you, and then you go out and you wear a bikini and flaunt yourself around in front of them, you're stringing that person on. Mm -hmm. You know, you are. You're trying to draw their attention. You're better off just saying, I'm not going to be around this person, or if you have to be around this person, you know, making it clear to them 
how you feel about the situation. And even like seek counsel in that too. Right. See, you know, someone to come in on your behalf and, you know, if hopefully someone will be able to do mm-hmm. that for you and, uh, and do your best to get out of the situation. But in the same instance, that person's uh, desire for you doesn't dictate, doesn't make you have to go to extreme lengths because they're an individual person and they should be able to control themselves. Mm -hmm. And if they can't, they'll have to face consequence for that. But that has nothing to do with you, though, as a person. Right. You know, so in an essence, if you're attempting to draw their attention uh, and keep them in that mindset of thinking about you, then you're playing the the role of a a seductress woman, like Mm -hmm. out of Proverbs 7. But if you are knowing of the issue you address the issue yeah you can't stop them if you run into them at the public pool like you can't stop them from lusting after you but that's on them Mm -hmm. that's not on you you can't receive that you can't carry that burden you are modest in your presentation in your attitude in your words modesty is a words is a is a uh is a word set you know as well as a mindset if you're spewing out garbage that's immodest modesty goes a whole lot deeper than just the clothes you wear. And I think in Christian circles, a lot of times we emphasize this this carnal desire of if you show too much of this, you know, then that's going to happen. And while I'm not one to advocate walking around in, you know, skimpy clothing all the time, I'm, I'm also not one to sit here and say that in those situations, the people looking, if that person's wearing something uh, and they feel confident in it, it's also our responsibility to be modest and respect them despite what they're wearing. Because not everyone shares our beliefs. Not everyone's mm-hmm. going to say, hey, I'm a Christian and I want to dress modest. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy on this. You have people who are on all ends of the spectrum. The Duggar family dresses a certain way, yet there are people who still see them and I'm sure there are people who have lusted after those girls. Mm-hmm. It's just part of it because there's an issue with that person, not with the girls and their dressing. And whether they're in a bikini or they're in a denim skirt and a long sleeve shirt and a jacket, like that doesn't change anything. You know, just like with rape culture, uh, no one should be accused of promoting uh, being raped. Unless they were legitimately promoting being raped. Mm-hmm. But your clothing is not a promotion of who you are. Now, am I saying that as Christians, we shouldn't attempt to be somewhat modest in our clothing? I'm not saying that. You know, I'm like Christians should be modest in what they wear in some ways. Modesty is different for different circumstances, for one. What's modest at the water park or at the beach is completely different than, different than what is modest at a, like, at church on Sunday morning mm-hmm. versus, you know, the workplace. And so there are degrees of that. And it's really more of just like standard dress code, you know, like professional versus casual versus swimwear versus this versus that. And so I'm not saying you should just start walking around completely naked or in your mm-hmm. underwear. But what I am saying is I think we put too much emphasis on modesty as a physical appearance, and we don't put enough emphasis on it that modesty is a mindset. And it drives me nuts that we use the modest as hottest terms because, I mean, we're still teaching the uh, the 
objectification of a women's identity. Women are still being objectified, saying modest is hottest, because you're basically still promoting from a quote-unquote Christian point of view, which is still just as manipulated as a quote-unquote worldly point of view, is this is how you have to dress to look attractive to, to the opposite sex. And just think of it, break it down, modest being like in this, in, in what they're talking about in this instance, like wear more clothes to look hot. So if you want to be hot, which is like slang, you know, like just break it down, slang for being physically attractive to men. Uh, if you want to look hot and draw guys' attention, wear this type of clothing. And we're still teaching women within the church to seek the attention of the opposite sex based on our physical appearance. Well, and we're still telling them what they can and can't wear. Like, the hotter you are, it depends on the more clothing you are, and you're still telling women how to dress. Right. You know, I guess we're, we're promoting lust in that, in, a essence, in essence, is we're teaching our boys, you know. Like, you see that woman over there who's dressed, you know, all, like, has everything covered? Like, that's the woman you need to be seeking after. And that really doesn't have any show of character mm -mm. you know that's just it's just it's a very shallow term that we take really seriously it's like be like the rudest like yeah like, person you don't want to be with fully clothed yeah and so when we say that we need to start teaching and i've said i've already said this but modesty is a mindset we are modest in the way we approach others and the way we present it's not just about our clothes. It goes so much deeper than clothing. It is how we present ourselves in attitude. It's about your intention. And, yeah, in intention. And and until we start promoting that side of this, this whole lusty mess that we're in, it's just it's gonna keep on going within church because it doesn't matter what or what not you wear if we're still teaching uh kids basically kids teenagers i guess like the clothing choice they make the way they dress is still directly correlated with who they are and their level of attraction that's still wrong mm -hmm. so what do you feel about leggings leggings because mm -hmm. um, you're completely clothed with leggings but the argument is like well christian women don't need to wear leggings because it creates a lust for men what Mm -hmm. I don't. Do I have an opinion on that? I think it's bullcrap. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole like, wear a t-shirt in the water, so people can't, you know, see you in a bikini, and then yet the t-shirt's hugging your body anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it just goes back to what's your intent with wearing leggings. I've never really seen many women wear leggings to try to be. Reducing, I guess. Kind of almost the opposite. Right, it's just casual wear. I don't know. Like you know, workout clothes, like I, they're comfortable. I don't. I think that people get so caught up on these details, like these little bitty details. Like, yeah, I understand you have to have rules, you know? Like, you can't, like, if you work at a certain place and you're required to wear formal attire, like, there's this, there's a reason we have formal attire. There's a purpose for it, to look professional. There's a reason we have beachwear, and that's because it serves its purpose to, um, you know, for swimming and things like that. There's a reason we have 
casual wears for casual times and i think leggings just kind of fall into like that kind of winter casual wear Mm -hmm. like they're warm they're comfortable they're stretchy they're easy they're my thanksgiving day pants i've never (laughs) really seen them as like quite attractive (laughs) i don't know i guess i've never really seen them as like seducing in any way to me they're like yoga pants i mean Mm -hmm. they're just like workout gear workout gear you want it to be form-fitting and stuff because baggy gets in the way gets mm-hmm. caught in machines same thing as swimming for olympians right like i can't stand to have baggy jeans on whenever i'm riding my bike because one time uh, i was cycling and i was going about 15 mile an hour on my street bike and uh my baggy stinking jeans got caught in my gears and locked my wheel up and threw me over the handlebars. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, no, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're cycling shorts for now on. Right. Like, I'm going to wear something that's a little more. I wear, you know, I guess what you would, white women would call leggings. Mm-hmm. They're just like men's compression wear or whatever. And then I wear shorts over them. And the reason I wear shorts over them is because I can't stand the way I look in them. And I don't feel confident in leggings. Just being honest. And so I wear shorts over them because that's how I like, that's what is comfortable to me. And I, I just always kind of felt that was the same way with women wearing leggings. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I think people can get super particular about the details that don't know? matter. Kind of like the whole shorts, you know, need to be knee length or whatever. Like there are some women who cannot find a pair of shorts on this market anywhere to get it past their knees. And what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to order some really expensive pair or try to chop up jeans and always look like they just, you know, made their own shorts? I don't think so. I think you can be too extreme with shorts. Like, I, if you're... On either uh, scale. Right. I mean, if your shorts are so tiny that, you know, you might as well just not be wearing them, like, you should probably ask yourself, am I wearing these because it's something that I like wearing or am I trying to get attention? And most of the time, if you boil that down... Like, the true intentions of the heart are going to come out as to why you're wearing that. But there's a lot of things that we nitpick, like leggings. Or, like, showing your shoulders. Right. I don't think anyone cares about that stuff, really. It's just, it's traditional things that we put in place. And I think we're just so nitpicky on the details that we think other people care. And most of the time, people don't care or even noticed until you said something about it. Right, and then it becomes an issue. Yeah. And there is the whole thing of, like, try to keep your fellow, you know, uh, brother or sister from sinning. And so, like like I said, if you know someone has a lust issue, maybe choose not to wear a bikini. But that goes with anything, though. That's not just a lust problem. Right. No, I completely agree. It's just kind of like, if you know someone has an issue with alcohol, don't go drink in front of them. Like, choose to do that outside of that person, you Mm -hmm. know, like away from them. If a guy knows that this woman, um, maybe, I don't know, like, is obsessed with them, maybe they should choose not to flirt. You know what I mean? Like, it goes a lot of different ways. And it all goes back to the fact that, like, modesty is something that is a choice we make to analyze the circumstance and pick the best appropriate uh, method of moving forward. Like, for instance, an immodest drinker is a drunkard. Immodest dresser, you know, may seem scandalous. Um, An immodest writer 
make him a you know, maybe a liar or someone who is immodest in their speech, maybe a, a blasphemer or, or someone who tears someone down. We have to get rid of this mindset that modesty is just clothing and remove the stigma because the truth is you will never hide someone from this. It's If we live in the United States, this you're not going to be hid from it. It's more prevalent than ever. And while I don't like watching that kind of stuff on TV, I don't like seeing sex scenes. This just it's not it's not appealing to me to see two people having sex, especially two people that just met each other having sex. Like it just it seems like it idolizes some weird stuff, and like it's not appealing to me personally. But it's there, and whether I want to or not, I can cut myself off from reality as a whole and lock myself in my bedroom and that's about the only way I might avoid the quote-unquote appearance of evil it's living you're going to be exposed to these if you read the bible you're going to be exposed to immodest terms well I think it comes down to like understanding what it is and understanding like how you feel about it understanding like how you can control yourself in this situation and being completely sheltered from everything only makes it worse. Yeah. If you know how to act in a certain situation, if you see this something on the billboard, but like, and you had been sheltered from it, like, it becomes a stumbling block easier than if you just said, okay, you know what? I've seen that before on TV. That is not something that I want to look at, but you know, that's okay. Like, I know what it is. I know how I feel about it. Like, I can flip the channel and everything. I don't have to hide myself from this. Right. And I think it's a really good point is it's kind of like um, if you've never seen a rhino before, then you're probably going to take a little longer to stare you're at, gonna it gawk at it because you don't know what it is. And if we as Christians would take the time to explain to people what this is, Instead of just saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't look at that, don't do that. And it makes them want to do that more. Exactly. You know, it's just, (laughs) he goes, what was the first sin committed? It was eating from the thing that was, we were told not to eat from. Mm -hmm. Like, that is man's ultimate downfall, is to take from the thing that people say not to do from. It's the kid stealing from the cookie jar. It's it's quite literally the foundational uh, downfall of humanity itself. And so, as... People who should have learned by now that if this is the ultimate sin, maybe we should approach it a little differently. It's like, let's change up our approach to this. And instead of constantly saying, don't do, don't do, don't do, like, let's approach this from a different point of view and say, like, let's try to understand what this is. Because if we take the mysticism off of it, the appeal falls. Yes, desire for sex and partnership and all that's going to remain. It's built into us. That's a God uh, appointed part of our creation. But if we take away the mysticism behind sex and behind, uh, things like modesty and all that, and get rid of all the little cute little buzzwords that we think are cool, uh, which really aren't and get rid of all the things that we think are helping and start teaching what it really is and, and make it more of a normal conversation. A lot of the mysticism of it and the mythology and the, appeal of you know gawking at what at what we've never seen before will go away you know because being sheltered from something what happens most of the time 
when kids are sheltered. They go off and do the very things they were never allowed to do. It's just, it's proven. It happens over It happened to over. Katy Perry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it literally happens all the time. When you're closed off from something and you are told the forbidden fruit and not to touch it and never explained why, of course, it's man's desire to, It's I guess that's the, you know, it's our ultimate downfall is we're going to want to do the thing we're not supposed to. And the more we put this, you know, mystic barrier on this the more it's just going to keep leading teens to screw up ultimately there's another thing that goes into it and that's grace yeah and forgiveness and just because you did commit that sin just because you had a lustful moment does not mean that you are a bad person it does not mean that you aren't forgiven and that you aren't redeemable God still loves you. Right. I mean, we all sin. We all, you know, have our moments of weakness. As a teenager who grew up in church and who struggled in those areas too, I can say, like, I just felt like crap because every time I saw those things, I knew it was something I wasn't supposed to do, but it kept drawing me deeper and deeper. And I didn't even really, like, associate the fact that I was being immodest. I just, I knew it was something that drew me in and I... I was trying to fill a void in my life and I had no idea how, like, I guess you almost feel like you're worthless. So what's the point in trying to get out of it anymore? Mm -hmm. Because we push the things not to do. And we, when you don't take into account grace and that God is graceful and he wants to help you maneuver out of that, then that's where it leads to just entrapment. I think a lot of times we, view and teach God's grace as something that as long as you get out of something, you know, like, oh, well, you're in this sin. Well, if you get out and repent of this sin, God's going to forgive you. And as long as you move on, you're fine. And the the hard reality is that's not how people operate. When you're in an addiction, when you're in a mindset, it takes a time to break that. And the process of getting out of it, as long as you are trying, you are forgiven. You know, that's not an excuse to keep committing the same sin, but God understands. If you are addicted to heroin, there is a weaning process. Just as a baby is weaned off of its mother's milk and onto solid food, there is a weaning process off of someone who has an addiction, who has filled this void in their life. It takes time to untie those knots and to, to let go of that baggage. And God is merciful and gracious on the entire process. And had I got a hold of that mindset before and could get out of the guilt, or I guess, excuse me, not the guilt, but the shame uh, associated with that, I feel like I would have been able to, for one, be more open. For two, been able to lay down a lot of my like burdens that I was carrying. Uh, for three, I would have felt closer to God. And for four, I feel like I would have been able to get free of it even sooner because I wouldn't have been agonizing over it in my mind uh, and that agony kept me prisoner. Well, and I think that's um, why it goes back to like specifically with modesty is like not it's not gender specific because sometimes I feel like we have the stigma against men not being able to be forgiven, but women are. Sometimes I feel bad for men, not 
only because there are some women who really, you know, are the seductress and are entrapment, are on purpose trying to lure men in. But at the same time, even if like that woman isn't, like they still have the problem. Sometimes I feel like we're too hard on men. I think that goes both ways because I think that a lot of times women can view their lustful thoughts as not really lustful but men's lustful thoughts are more lustful and i think biologically we're built different i understand there's overlap everywhere but biologically men are more hormonal i guess in a sense and like like i said i know that's that goes both ways but i think that for one women struggle with the same things men struggle with and i think that men can struggle with what women struggle with too and i think that there is a a definite overlap there that needs to be addressed in the sense of like men and women both struggle with pornography men and women both struggle with lust men and women both struggle with feeling insecure and there needs to kind of like let go of the stigma of well men are just lustful creatures just as much as we need to let go of the stigma of oh well women are just uh insecure or women are just self-absorbed. Like, we need to let go of those stigmas because, you know, lust to a woman may be a guy. Uh, lust to a woman may be another woman as well. And in the way, like, do these people uh, accept me? And that happens to guys. I've been that way before where I'm like, am I accepted in this group of people? Do they Are they looking at me the way I want them to look at me? And I think that's another thing to point out here is we need to also remember that it's not all sexual. Mm-hmm. Women can be just as lustful over other women in the way they perceive them, just as men can be just as lustful of other men in the way they perceive them. Sometimes I feel we put too much focus on the sexual side of it when there is a lot more. But again, that's forgiven. Like you are forgiven. You can be redeemed from that. All that to say, there's a lot more to modesty than what's often talked about. And this is a deep subject, and I know we'll come back to it at some point, but I think this was a good brief overview of everything. But if anyone has any thoughts, questions, concerns, wants to say hi, drop us a line. You can find us at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Reckless Pursuit Podcast, twitter.com forward slash underscore TRP Podcast, or you can email us. You can find the email or leave us a voicemail at therecklesspursuit.com. Also, we have a Facebook community page. If you want to hop on there, you can find it uh, in the show notes below, or you can just search for it on Facebook for the Reckless Pursuit community. We're in there all the time, posting live videos. Uh, We have a lot of conversation going. It's a great place to get involved with other people who are listening to the show. And as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys so much for taking the time out of your day. If you don't mind, uh, just head on down below here. And if you're in iTunes especially, and give us a rating and a review. It helps us be found and get the word out. Everyone be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. 
Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple, you're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. So remind us what a Proverbs 37... Or, <laughs> 30, there's no Proverbs. No. She doesn't exist. <laughs> that's the perfect woman. One that doesn't exist? <laughs> well, that's what people like aspire to have. Nothing? <laughs> Non-existence? <laughs> Why is he licking your feet? <laughs> you like the feet.